0: Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. A few weeks ago, I traveled to Melbourne, Australia to our colleagues and our sister publishing company down there to meet with fellow editors to try and figure out what the next investment trend was going to be that we should tell our readers about won't surprise you to hear that my own presentation was about net zero, but one of those presentations from a colleague of mine really stood out because it implied that our jobs were all going to be made redundant within the next few years. And that's just the sort of cheeky thing that I would have liked to do, so I really admired it. The presentation was, of course, all about artificial intelligence, AI, and how it's going to tra- change in the investment world, the investment management world, over the next few years. Now, the person who gave that presentation is Ryan Clarkson-Ledwood, Ledward, is with me now. Ryan, what gave you the confidence to, to present what you did at our meeting?
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. So, yeah, I guess it certainly was a bit, bit of a cheeky move on my end, but I think it's something that... Is sort of really important to talk about and this whole ai trend has obviously been a really big topic in the mainstream this year it's really broken out with this chat gpt being everywhere and everyone's using it everyone's sort of getting excited about the possibilities and you know we've got goldman sachs talking about how ai is going to be this huge uh, sort of generator of productivity going forward at least they hope so and so I really wanted to talk about, I guess, this opportunity in AI for investors in all walks of life, because, you know, it's something that is going to affect society and it's really going to change things. Um, But looking at it, I suppose I wanted to focus on sort of the long-term implications, because I think a lot of people are sort of looking at AI right now in the wrong way, or not necessarily the wrong way, but not the way that I think it could end up developing. And that's because a lot of people see it as sort of, you know, this product or service that Microsoft or Google or Meta is going to turn and make their own AI and everyone's going to start using it. And I don't think it's necessarily going to pan out that way. To me, AI is a bit like a tool. It's like the internet. It's something that is a bit more ubiquitous and there's a bit more freedom in terms of how people will develop it and start turning it into something that they can use as a malleable tool, something that they can use to sort of Help them be more productive in a lot of things, not necessarily just their careers or their jobs. And so, from that point of view, I think I looked at Alpha and I thought about uh, I looked at AI and I thought about how will that sort of change the investing landscape. And I really came into, back to this idea of Alpha and sort of generating a market beating return, and the fact that this has been the underlying idea, I guess, of investment for the better part of sixty years, going all the way back to sort of you know Warren Buffett and all these sort of hedge fund managers that you know present themselves at the end of the day it's all about beating the market generating a better return and so when i look at ai i guess i see this opportunity for it to disrupt this whole sort of industry around that investment space and really change the way we think about how we generate returns and whether or not we need someone to tell us how to invest or whether we can rely on these machines to tell us on how we can invest and generate a better return for everyone i suppose
0: yeah, so let's go and explain some of those those terms. Beta is the idea of what the overall market is performing. Alpha, therefore, is what you can generate above and beyond that. So in investing, it's not so much how you're performing in terms of percent, it's whether you're outperforming your neighbors and your colleagues and so on and so forth. And part of our job is to try and help investors generate the alpha. That's what we do writing about the things that we do. And your presentation was called The End of Alpha because it implied that perhaps everyone was simply going to fire people like you and me and use... Um, not chat GPT, but AI, whatever the the equivalent for the investment world of AI is going to be, uh, to generate their own alpha. And you asked whether that's likely to happen or whether that could happen or not. But let's first of all dig into the idea of of alpha a bit more, because I think people need to understand that distinction to understand where AI is going to come in. Because if we're all to just accept beta, which is sort of what passive investing is about, if we're all to, to accept that we don't actually want to outperform, we just want to have a good return, isn't that
1: viable too? Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky question, I suppose, in the sense that a lot of people are probably happy just to sort of generate the beta returns and you know happy being a bit of a passive investor. But I think a lot of my readers, and I'm sure a lot of your readers and a lot of subscribers across sort of our our paradigm, our sort of worldview, are looking to beat the market. They want to do better. They want to generate wealth because they want to live a better life. And so, for a lot of people it's about getting that better return and it's about getting those better results. And it's a tricky thing to do. It's not always possible and it's something that depends on your own strategy. So, you know, a lot of people are happy investing in the big stocks and big names that they know. That's not really my wheelhouse. Like ever since I've been working for this company, it's, I've always been drawn to small caps and just because I think they're the better way to generate a market-beating return. And there's always going to be losers, but there's always going to be big winners too. And so it's about balancing that sort of need and want versus what you're trying to risk and what you're trying to get from your returns. And so in terms of you know where it'll end up, uh, who knows? Like It all depends on, I guess, what sort of outlook you want to have. And obviously this is just one way to look at it and it's one point of view. But it's something that I feel pretty strongly about and it's something that I think has a lot of evidence behind it in terms of actually coming about.
0: How might artificial intelligence help someone generate alpha. And one, the part of the presentation that I found especially interesting is the idea that it's not just going to analyze financial market data to try and generate a return. Artificial intelligence could be unusually good at sort of trolling all sorts of other sources of information to come up with an investment view. Uh, and that would probably give it an advantage over the average person who's trying to invest because of just the pure amount of data that's out there, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think That is one of the things that a lot of people overlook and it's one of the most exciting things about it because, as you say, we've sort of got AI and AI isn't necessarily a new thing, I guess, in investing. Like, we've had quant funds, algorithmic trading around for a long time now and, you know, whether or not it's using AI or just some form of a computer program is obviously up for debate because there's not a lot of transparency in how these funds operate. But the idea of using a machine to sort of generate ideas isn't new. But it's the fact that AI is sort of taking that to the next level. It can sort of process more data than we've seen before and it can troll uh, trawl through like all this information that we talked about. So, you know, financial information is obviously one thing, but it's about like scraping data from sort of real world uh, areas that is sort of really exciting to me. So, one anecdote that I guess was particularly enlightening to me was the fact that this company was using AI to sort of sift through street camera data to see where people were going what they were buying and sort of what times of day it was busy and whether or not you know people are actually out and about shopping because if people aren't out and about shopping then it's probably a pretty good indicator that consumer confidence isn't that great right now and so i really like this idea of yeah using data outside the financial sort of system or financial mainstream and trying to use that to infer about what it could mean for investors and the implications of how they invest or where they put their money and what it could mean for the economy as a whole.
0: What are those implications then? Because during the presentation, you sort of presented both sides of the story. You First, you gave that cheeky idea that, you know, we're no longer needed as new set of writers and investment analysts because AI is going to take over. And then you presented almost the opposite idea, which is that, AI is going to empower people like you and me to come up with better ideas and produce better products and better and more interesting investment opportunities for our readers. Where where do we sit on the on the spectrum? And maybe you can give us both uh, both sets of the argument. I'm asking you to be a lawyer here, almost.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I guess I wanted to present both sides because I don't necessarily have all the answers. I guess I'm just presenting, I guess, the outlook that I see happening, and I think it can go one of two ways. Like a lot of people, obviously, sort of have this very pessimistic view of AI and you know they think it's going to be this domineering tyrannical tool that's going to enable governments or corporations to control their lives and maybe it will but I like to be a bit of an optimist I guess when it comes to new technology and I think the way that we're seeing AI sort of disseminate right now is a lot like the early days of the internet where it's this sort of open tool that anyone can access and we've got that through things like chat And, of course, that might change and, you know, maybe it'll get regulated. Maybe one company will start to gain an advantage in terms of how their AI performs over another. But for now, I think it's just going to be sort of a general thing that a lot of people have access to. And because of that, I think it's going to create sort of an equal playing field to a degree where anyone can use this thing and anyone can use it to their own advantage. And because of that, I think there's going to be a real sort of gap between people that know how to use ai well and maybe those who don't necessarily want to use it or don't know how to get the most out of it and so when it comes to finance i suppose the big thing is we've seen in the past that you know these algorithmic traders these quant funds whatever they get some good performance but they get the best performance when they're actually using it with human analysts as well in tandem it's about man and machine not man versus machine i guess is the idea that i wanted to present and I think that's going to be a big trend going forward is the fact that there's still going to be human operators, at least for the foreseeable future. They're going to be feeding this machine ideas, feeding it the right data so that you get the best result out of it. And it's just like having a machine personal assistant is the best way that I can put it. And I think that's going to be a real help for, you know, the average investor that doesn't have a team of analysts behind them, because now they've got this thing that can really level the playing field for them and make them be able to compete against all of these hedge funds that you know, could use their technology to theoretically beat them. And now that's going to be accessible to everyone. good
0: example of this is managing a portfolio based on what insiders are doing. So if the directors of a company are buying lots of shares, then you, you know, the inference is that it's a good time to buy. And if they're selling out, it's the inference is that it's a good time to sell. Actually doing that, uh, putting that into practice, is a heck of a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But AI could solve that problem for example, and so it seems that the advantage is going to be for the people who understand AI and know how to use it within the field of whatever their expertise might be at the particular time. Do you think it's going to be viable to ignore AI's influence on the investment industry? Do you think people can sort of close their eyes to this and and try and ignore it?
1: Uh, I guess it's a bit of a... It comes back to that sort of beta versus alpha discussion a bit. I get... um, just in the sense that, yeah, it depends on how active you want to be in markets, I suppose. Like most people probably watching this video enjoy being an active participant in financial markets, enjoy being an active investor. And for them, I think AI is going to be a great tool. Maybe it's going to be a little daunting at first, you know, it's something that you're going to have to wrap your head around, but that's just how the game works nowadays. It's just a part of the job is getting involved with all these new technologies and these new systems that come about to give you an edge over your rival competitors. And you know, for people that don't necessarily want to engage with that, well, you can just invest in an index fund, I guess, and just hope that that continues to deliver the kind of returns that you're hoping to see. But as I suspect, I think that won't necessarily be the case because as this AI continues to evolve, I think people are going to have to become reliant on it. Like, I don't see a way that you can feasibly generate the kind of returns that most people want by being a passive investor. And so that's where I think a lot of the, I guess, argument for us sort of still having a role in this comes from is the fact that we're still here to sort of guide where the machines go, guide how we sort of use this AI tool. And it's about getting the best out of it for us and for our readers.
0: Let's get to the conclusions that we reached um, when we sort of had a bit of a discussion about this amongst our group of editors in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. One of them was that, if AI really does sort of take over the investment industry to a large extent, what does that imply about the transition? So one of the ways we put this was, you know, you've got a limited amount of time to try and make as much money as you can because at some point, we're all just going to be passive investors using AI.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting idea and it's certainly, I guess, a pretty extreme idea when you want to take it that far. And it's an idea that, I think could come about and it's one that I think investors should be prepared for and I think it's going to be a gradual process too like I think AI's sort of power and its data crunching ability is really going to be sort of evidenced in a lot of the big stocks at first and it's where you know all this sort of financial data and all this financial commentary lies a lot of the time is in these big stocks and so for that reason I think it's going to be harder for people that are only looking at large caps to sort of Beat these AI systems as they continue to develop. And for that reason, I think small caps are a great place to start right now, just because there's obviously a lot less commentary on it. There's a lot less data sort of going around about it. But as the AI continues to evolve and as it continues to refine itself and develop, obviously it's going to encroach on that territory too. And so for that reason, you know, there may be a point where, yeah, we all do eventually become subservient to these machines that are better than us at picking the stocks picking the winners, and as a result, just completely ruining the idea that we can generate alpha. And so it's a bit of a scary prospect, but whether or not it comes to pass, I don't know. But it's something that I think readers should be thinking about and should be prepared to sort of confront if it does happen.
0: The other conclusion we reached focuses more on what we should invest, given how AI is going to change the economy. And the idea was that much like the internet, it's going to take out a lot of industries that we no longer need. And then it's going to create an opportunity in a new type of industry, which is the, the ownership of the data that artificial intelligence actually analyzes. So we call it a firewall. The idea being that companies out there like Google and Microsoft and um, I don't know who, who, who owns that traffic data that you mentioned earlier, they can sell access to that data to artificial intelligence users, which then have that reach the conclusions in the investment markets that they want to reach and so the companies that own that data and sell access to it that's going to be where the profit center is because much like the internet you know once everything becomes ubiquitous and easy to use and effectively free at the margin at least then the, the profit centers for, for companies in the economy is going to have to change do you think that that well first of all which companies do you think are going to benefit from that change in the economy of, of data ownership being especially valuable And do you think that's how it's going to turn?
1: Yeah, um, I guess, yeah, to start with your first point, it's certainly a great point. And it's something that, yeah, we discussed heavily is this idea of data being such an, an intangible and sort of important resource for this whole revolution, a bit in the way that I guess you can think about, you know, oil in the Industrial Revolution, as cliche as that sort of example is. And I think the really important distinction here is the fact that not all data is equal either there's a lot of good data there's a lot of average data and there's a lot of bad data out there as well and it's about sort of being able to sort of differentiate and sort of get the best out of it and so one of our other colleagues around in sort of brought up the old computer science axiom garbage in garbage out and this idea that if you feed an AI terrible data then it's going to give you terrible results so you've got to find the best data and feed it that so that it gives you a good result and so obviously whoever sort of can produce this good data can sort of cultivate it or curate it then they're going to have a huge advantage in the early days of this AI boom and so obviously you look to the big data companies right now like your Google like your Meta your Amazon and you think well they should be in an advantage over most of the other people trying to compete in this space and they probably are to a degree but I think there's also opportunities in sort of spaces that some people aren't looking at so Recently, we've seen like NVIDIA is one stock that's really taken off in the AI space just because everyone's, you know, hammering on about their forecasts about they're going to generate all this future revenue from AI sales because they're making the chips that can process the data to in order to enable the development of the technology. And it may come to pass. To me, it looks a bit like a speculative bubble, but who knows? But I think it's a great example of sort of where people are looking and where their heads are at. And so as another example, another stock that we've recently covered here for Exponential Stock Investor is called Appen in Australia, and they're a company that basically use a million people that they employ sort of for cheap labor that have to trawl through all this data and curate it and check the images, video, text, whatever it may be, and verify that it is what it is. And then they can sell those data sets to companies so that they can use that data to refine their own programs. And so Meta, or Facebook, was one of their biggest customers for the longest time. And so that's a really sort of unique inroad, I guess, in terms of how people can invest in it right now. And one of the exciting ways that it's going to be sort of an investment trend for the foreseeable future. Yeah, The idea of cleaning data, it makes me wonder how many
0: mistakes we're going to uncover in the data that we've been relying on for for many years. Our UK immigration statistics are top of that list. I suspect. Um, you can't talk about AI without talking about this debate between, you know, are we are we going to have a Nirvana future or is AI going to kill us all? Um, so, so far we've just talked about the effect on the investment industry and the ability of investors to invest. Let's broaden things out. Uh, is AI going to kill us all or is it going to save us all?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a great question. I'm sure it's one that's on a lot of people's minds right now. Obviously, again, I like to take the more optimistic view and think that it's going to be a net positive for society but there is always a chance that it could be a net negative and there's probably going to be you know end up being some sort of future or conclusion where it's somewhere in the middle where we're going to get some benefits and probably some negatives as well and we just sort of have to adapt to what the technology throws at us i think for a lot of people though that are sort of worried about the immediate future and whether we're going to end up with you know the terminator sort of taking over the world that's probably unlikely to happen anytime soon and a lot of that's down to the fact that i guess people are confusing what ai is now and what it could be so there's sort of this big difference between generative ai which is what we have right now these sort of programs that take your prompt and give you a certain output and then there's general ai which is when you get to a machine that can think on a level like a human being that can think creatively and can come up with its own unique ideas and we're still a long way from sort of having that general ai be a really viable technology we can't say whether it'll be you know something that happens in the next 10 years 20 50 years whatever it may be but it's still likely a long way out and so for that reason i don't think anyone should be worried about you know ai necessarily taking over the world in that regard. but there's still going to be some bad actors that maybe are using, you know, generative AI to put out information that isn't necessarily right. We've seen how, you know, misinformation has become this huge issue nowadays. And it's going to get trickier and trickier. We've got these deep fakes, we've got, you know, faking of imagery, faking of text. And so for someone that isn't necessarily adept at being able to decipher what is right and what is wrong. And that goes for anyone really, it's going to be a lot harder as this technology spreads. So there's going to be some challenges, there's going to be some opportunities, but you just sort of adapt with it because at the end of the day, this technology is coming whether we like it or not.
0: I feel like you've very skillfully sidestepped the the real point of the question though, which is that the two possible extreme outcomes, and even if they're very, very unlikely, the fact that they're so extreme makes them extremely relevant. So if there's, you know, a point zero 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 one percent chance that we come up with an AI that is general in the future and it does go all Terminator and apocalyptic on us. What does that mean for how we conduct AI today? Or the alternative being, you know, we we develop an AI and it spots the asteroid that's heading towards Earth, you know, a hundred years before humans would have done so and therefore, you know, gives us enough time to save the planet. Mm -hmm. That that we're sort of trading in, in extremes with outcomes that are so, so important in terms of the impact. That we've we've got to really actively consider them. Do you think there's a risk that AI gets um, sort of cut down to size too much, or are you worried that you know we're going to go all out without thinking about the negatives over the next few years?
1: Uh, I think there's a real concern, I guess, about the way in which people will want to regulate it, I suppose, and what, the way in which they want to control it. So in Australia, I know the, re- the government's recently talked about wanting to regulate AI, and you know, that's obviously a whole other kettle of fish about whether they will do it, how they'll do it, that sort of thing. But I think there's still a lot of misunderstanding in terms of what AI represents, I suppose. And so my biggest worry about how it will be controlled or how we sort of take it is whether there will be too much sort of misunderstanding in what it represents and how it sort of develops, I suppose, because I feel like, the government's way of doing things is often very heavy-handed and very precautionary, and obviously that's for you know, good reason in the sense that they're trying to say that they're protecting people. Whether or not they actually do is obviously something that's up for debate, but it's something that I think is going to certainly hamper, I guess, some of the AI development, and it couldn't honestly be like a net positive for some of the bigger companies. So Microsoft is obviously another big name in this, and they're trying to sort of push the government, I think, to help them regulate it in America in particular, because they want a more controlling aspect of it, because they've got this lead, because they've got this investment in chat GPT, in open AI. And so, all these sort of developments, I suppose, will come to define how we sort of interact with it, how it's going to progress, the ethics of it, the morality, you know, the legal jargon, all of that surrounding it. And so, whether it ends up apocalyptic, I guess, depends on how those sort of discussions go, how those debates go, and how we regulate it. Whether or not it will happen, again, I can't say. I wish I could give a definitive answer, but it is certainly a possibility.
0: I never thought I'd say this, but maybe the government will effectively sabotage AI and allow us to keep our jobs. Ryan, thanks very much for joining us at Fortune and Freedom, and everyone at home, thanks for watching. Thank you.